How are we doing today? Uh, my name is uh, Wes Brooks, and I uh, go by the name of Southwest. I'm a Christian rapper. Um, I want to thank Pastor Mike for allowing me to come out here today and uh, kind of spread the good news. And uh, thank you, Dr. Gregory, for kind of taking me along with him. He's going to be preaching today. Um, I'm, I'm fairly new to the music making uh, scene, but uh, last weekend was actually my first ever live performance. And um, when Dr. Gregory asked me this week if I wanted to go again, um, I was very hesitant. Uh, not because I didn't want to, but because I was just so nervous last time. Amen. And uh, <laughs> like, it, it was like a month-long buildup of, of nerves. And then when I, when, I, when I got through it, I kind of was just like, okay, like I get to settle down for a while, like just not be nervous anymore. And then Tuesday or Wednesday comes around, and he's like, you want to do it again? I'm like... I don't know about that one, but we're here, so um, I started. I actually started praying about it, and um, God kind of told me that it's not so much about me as it is about someone that needs to hear it. So that kind of made up my mind right there. I was like, okay, you know, I'll go do it again. I'm gonna be nervous again, but it's all good. Um, just bear, bear with me. Um, and so this this song that I'm gonna be doing, it's called Found. Um, it's about this woman, and um, she, her husband's in the military, and uh, she she kind of starts going through it a little bit, starts missing him a lot, and she doesn't think she can she can do it by herself, you know. She um, she's she's just stressing out, but so she cries out to God, and uh, and He answers her as as He does, you know. So um, without further ado, I'm go ahead and get it started.
starts crying, looks up to the sky, and says, God, why? She says, God, why'd you leave me all alone? I can't do this on my own. Yeah, I thought this was our home, so why'd you have to go and stay?
Now, social media is interesting. There's always strange and unusual things that you find out there. I'm a part of several social media groups, and uh, one of them, uh, there was a man, he made a comment about one of my teachings. My teachings I put on had to do with uh, when God sees far away and about separation. And then I was talking on there about the the sure cure for loneliness. And he said, wow, I am so lonely. And he said, I, I'm just hurting for love. And he said, sometimes I even cry because it's like I can't find anybody to love me. It seems no one really cares about me. I, I feel so isolated, so alienated, and so alone. But who is there that really loves me? Who cares about me? Who cares? Who cares? Does anyone care? That's, I think, where some of us are some of the time, perhaps some all the time. It's a tragic place. It's a painful place. But it doesn't have to be our only place. And so let's pray. Lord, thank you that you have provided a way. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came, that we would never, ever be alone, that we would never, ever feel that sense of abandonment, Yes, we have our moments, we have our thoughts and feelings, but that's not the reality. You've come to give us a whole new reality and to cause us to know once and for all, someone cares, yes, you, the only one that matters, God Almighty, you care. And you care so much, you sent your only son. You care so much, Lord Jesus, you came for us. You died for us, you rose again, and you've come to live in us because you care about us. Now may your spirit show us just how real you are, how much you care about us, how much you care about me, and your attention to my needs and my concerns. Thank you, Lord, that you are faithful. And may your spirit speak loud and clear in Christ's name. Amen. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Quite a familiar scripture verse. Maybe a go-to verse for some of you. And in that scripture verse, Peter, writing, challenges us. He says, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. It's an invitation. It's a challenge. It's an admonition. But it's also an opportunity. And your opportunity is to cast your care upon the Lord because he does care for you. So let's break this down and think about what we've got here. We as humans, we have cares. What are these cares? Well, they're problems, they're needs, they're issues, they're, they're frustrations, they're COVID, they're the boss, they're the spouse. You know, we have our cares, things that just don't suit us right, things that somehow don't don't go along with our plan and purpose for the day. These are the things that we don't like. But whatever they are, whatever it is for you today and right now, and whatever it is perhaps that you've had hanging on from your past, those are the cares of your life. But there is one who wants to take care of you. That's why when, when Peter says, cast all your care upon him, he then explains why. We might ask why. Well, okay, why? He says, because he, the Lord God Almighty, cares for you cares for you. Now let's think about the word care. It's someone that is concerned. 
But the kind of care God offers is the kind of care that comes from his very nature because God is love. And so out of a heart of love comes the care of God for you, comes the compassion of God for you. It's the kind of compassion that causes him to look beyond our faults and see our needs. It's the kind of compassion that prompts him to look into the depth of your hurt and heartache, into the depth of your frustration or despair, into the depth of, of your sense of failure or your your sense of hopelessness and just say, but I care, I care. Now that should speak volumes to you because in the midst of all the surroundings of those who seemingly don't care or at least could care less, there is one who cares much for you. And so the Lord himself invites you to cast all your care upon him because he cares for your life. He is concerned about you. Let's look there at 1 Peter chapter 5. When we look at the invitation to cast our cares upon the Lord, and then we, we embrace that in some form or other by prayer, and so we pray, as he would say there, okay, Lord, I give my care to you. I give this problem to you, this need to you, this issue to you, whatever. And we give that to the Lord. And sometimes we see breakthrough, sometimes we see solution, Sometimes we don't. Well, wait a minute, Lord, I thought you cared for me. Nothing happened. What's going on? What's the deal here? Well, the deal is rather simple. We didn't get the verses that preceded it that set the stage for us to be able to cast our care upon the Lord. So let's, let's back up. Let's just go to verse uh, 5. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yes, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now what he's done here is he said, now look, in the ordinary scheme of things, at the very basic, we respect our elders. On the very fundamental level, we have a sense of value and appreciation for those seniors among us. Do you know in Brazil, for example, if you've got hair like mine, that means you've got a little age and maturity and whatever, and so you get to go to the front of the line. In fact, you get a separate line at the airport. I mean, there's some priority treatment that you get. I mean, we're talking some respect, you know? Now, we around here, we say, well, I don't get much respect. Maybe at home, you think, I don't get much respect. But the Lord is saying, at the most fundamental level, we as humans realize, or should, the importance of just basic values and giving respect to those who have some seniority around you. Not just older than you, but seniority in terms of your boss, seniority in terms of the authorities. Now, I know we live in a cancel culture, so let's get right down to it. The one who canceled the culture was Jesus Christ. He brought in a new age. He said the old mindset that old self-serving, selfish, that old evil mindset is out. I give you a new culture, a new way of life. It is a life of love. It's a life of compassion. It's a life that is able to look beyond your selfish needs and see a hurting world around you. It's a life that lets you see that your needs have now been met in Christ, and therefore you can be his channel of blessing to others. It moves you beyond this mode where you're stuck to a new place. So if the norm in the old age 
with respect your elders, he says, I have a new age for you, and that is be subject one to another. Look at this verse here. We're in verse 6, in verse, verse 5, rather. He says, yes, all of you be subject one to another. Be in submission one to another. Submission doesn't mean you're a doormat. I've counseled many couples, and, and typically the woman, although sometimes the man, says, I don't like being the doormat. I don't like being the doormat. Well, who does? But then again, look at Jesus, the ultimate doormat. He let people stomp, trump, and trample him into the ground. But he rose again, praise God. And so you see, you don't need to be afraid of being somebody's doormat. You have someone in you that can make you greater than all of that. And he's promised it right here in this scripture that we're looking at. So what does he tell us? Be subject one to another. Be, be considerate one of another. Be compassionate one toward another. See, this being subject to or submitted to doesn't always just mean you let somebody push you around and boss you around. It means you value them equally with yourself. That takes us to the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You know, every major religion embraces that in one form or another. They've all come to recognize at the most fundamental level, it's important to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So what Peter is saying here is, in the new age of the new creation in Christ, you have within you the life and the power of God which enables you to love uncommissionally so that you don't retaliate. When our daughter was young, we were telling her about the golden rule and things were happening with different friends at school or in the neighborhood and she would do certain things and one day we said, well, wait a minute, what about doing others? Doing to others, what about that? Doing to them as you would have them doing to you. She said, well, they did it first, Dad, and that must be what they want because that's how they treated me. So I gave it right back to them <laughs> and, and, and more. That's not exactly what the Lord means here. If you don't want somebody to kick you in the face, don't kick them. If you don't want somebody to speak dirty to you, don't speak dirty to them. And even if they do that, just dump a lot more love. Just keep on keeping on with goodness and mercy. And pour out because you see, God's love covers a multitude of sins. And whatever negative anyone has said to you or done to you, that's sin in some form or other. Which means, in fact, they're just a slave of the devil. They're just a pawn in Satan's hand. They're just Satan's mouthpiece, his instrument. So no big deal. After all, it's just the devil. And what about Jesus? Well, he put the devil in his place. So you don't have to stoop down to his level and get all upset and cater to those devilish ways that someone else might be imparting to you. Just move on with the kind of submission that looks beyond the fault and sees the need. If they're coming across that way, it must mean they're hurting. It must mean they've got issues, problems. There's something not right about them. So have a little compassion. And by the grace of God, you can, because the one who is compassionate resides in you from the day you say, I do, to Jesus Christ. The moment you receive Christ, the source of love and goodness and mercy comes to indwell you, so that you can now love unconditionally by the grace of God. 
This is what he enables us to do. So looking on, be subject one to another, be clothed with humility. Now this idea of being clothed is something that we as humans can visualize. What it really means is be consumed with humility. Have your new attitude, humility. Now, Jesus is the humble one. He first humbled himself. So the one who is humble in you will enable you to express humility to others. Humility is that attitude that says, not I'm better than you, but I'm equal with you. And by the grace of God, all that I am and have is because of God and what he's done for me in Christ. This is the true expression of God's goodness and mercy. And you begin to grasp that. So in thinking about humility, let's look at what Jesus did. What did Jesus do? Well, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, we see the perfect example of our Lord Jesus in humility. If you, uh, Philippians. Philippians 2. We reject confusion in Jesus' name. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, and verse 9. We're in the story here of Peter, uh, rather of uh, Paul, recounting what happened with our Lord Jesus and the cross. And as we go into verse 8 of Philippians 2, we see here that Jesus being found in fashion as a man, what did he do? He humbled himself. In other words, okay, He's come in human form, and now he places himself in humility. And he humbles himself. So humble means to come under the authority of another. It means to put yourself in subjection to another. But who did he humble himself to? Unto God the Father. And he became obedient unto death. Obedient to who? To God the Father. So he put himself in subjection to Father God. He who is God, he who forever shall be God, chose to subject himself to God the Father as his Father. In fact, Jesus on his own uh, later in talking about himself in, in the Gospel of John, he said, I do nothing of myself, but only what I see my Father do or hear my Father say. He says, the Son can do nothing of himself. What he's telling us there is, this is John 6 and also in John 8, but he tells us no independent action. No independent action. I am doing what I do under the authority of God the Father. I am going where I go by the direction of God the Father. So everything Jesus is and did was because he and the Father were one, as he tells us in John chapter 10. I and my Father are one. And because he was one with his Father, as the Father is, so is the Son. So the two are moving as one. Beautiful harmony. That's what true submission is. It's a mutual dependency, mutual trust, mutual respect, mutual honor. And father and son had that beautiful relationship that you now have the privilege of having in Christ. Looking on there, Philippians 2. So found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. In verse 9, wherefore God also highly exalted him, giving him a name which is above every name. So he humbled himself, which means he came under 
made himself low, and God raised him up and made him great. So that now our Lord Jesus is seated with the Father at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly places, in the heavenly realm. So in the spiritual realm of God the Father, Jesus and the Father are one, and they are together, seated together, united together, forever together. But that leads us to ourselves, because Peter's comment here is virtually identical to what happened to our Lord Jesus. In verse 6, he says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. And that's what Jesus did. He humbled himself under the mighty hand of God the Father. And God the Father exalted Jesus in due time. And now Peter's saying, and the same is available to you. God the Father wants to do the same.